Hello, everybody, and welcome to Peace, Love, and Robots, a podcast about anything and everything and all that's in between. I am your host, Jeremy, and this is episode five for October 7th, 2020. Yes, it's still 2020. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the ads you hear at the beginning and the end of the show. So if you listen all the way through, I am forever in your debt. What a week it's been. Since the last show, we saw the most horrible presidential debate of all time. Our president was diagnosed and then allegedly subsequently defeated COVID-19. Eddie Van Halen, the greatest guitarist of all time, died from cancer, all in the space of seven days. Now, I'm not going to delve into politics. You can get that stuff from people much smarter than me. But I have noticed a disturbing trend, and I'm begging you all, please, let's stop doing this. One thing. Stop doing what, you ask? Well... Stop anthropomorphizing 2020 as if this year is some kind of boogeyman out to get us all. Ooh, 2020. In this year, I know we faced a pandemic, racial unrest, many, many protests, a deeply contested election, the death of a Supreme Court justice, the death of the world's greatest guitar player, and much, much more. I know it's been a bad year. No doubt. But every time something bad happens and it makes the news, you can't look very far before you see comments or hear people saying on social media or whatever, yeah, 2020 can go straight to hell. Or, darn you, 2020! As if the year 2020 is lurking around every corner, seeking whom it may devour. Sure. It's been a bad year, but we've had bad years before, haven't we? I don't think 2020 ranks very high in worst years of all time. I mean, were European serfs in the Dark Ages begging for 968 AD just to end already? Were there families in the middle of our broken United States begging for 1863 to be over? During the Spanish flu pandemic, Were there crowds of people crying out about how awful 1918 was? No. So I implore you, be thankful for the little things. You are upright. You are breathing. You are listening to this podcast. Now that I got that off my chest, let's hit the important stuff. As you know, this podcast was started as an accountability tool for me as a writer. Gets my future audience invested on the material I'm going to produce. Now, I'm not going to get very far if I don't keep working, so how did I do this week? Drum roll, please. 1,147 words. Not as many as last week, but it's still better than nothing. It got me thinking about accountability this week. The whole accountability thing. Now, I spend a lot of time thinking, whether on my commute or while walking my dog. And I know that I've mentioned almost every episode of this show about creativity and making stuff, writing, whatever. How those things, they don't really happen in a vacuum. Community is one of the keys to creation. 
I know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Threats of another lockdown are always looming over our heads. And I remember thinking about back in March, when this all began, the lockdown began in March, how many people were just talking about how much time they had on their hands now since they couldn't really go anywhere. Now, this wasn't true for all of us. Some of us were blessed to be able to work remotely, and we were parenting our children and educating them at home as well. So time was just as, if not more, finite than ever. But there were many of us where the desire to tap into our gifts sort of emerged in the midst of the pandemic. And I have to be honest, that's where this whole project began. But I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel accountable to someone. And for now, that someone is you, the listeners out there. If I fail at writing in the week between recording sessions, don't worry, I'll tell you, I'll be honest. My goal is to be honest with you and whoever else might listen to the show. But I want to make this so much more. And that's where this thought came from as I was walking my dog one morning. Creative people need creative people. And I want to offer to any of you out there, writers, painters, illustrators, whatever, musicians, anyone who wants to make stuff for consumption, either by themselves or by a larger audience, let's, why don't you join me in being accountable? Share your work, how you're doing creatively, good or bad. I'm going to call it the accountability crew. That's accountability spelled the normal way. And crew spelled like Motley Crew, C-R-U-E. And if you can get the umlauts in there, that's pretty cool. It's, it's still a germ of an idea. I, I'd love to hear from you if you'd like to join in. I'm going to be upgrading my podcast gear soon, and, and I'll be able to speak with guests and record that and do all sorts of neat things. So let's make something cool together. If you want to join the accountability crew, send an email to peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com and put the phrase accountability crew in the email subject line. Bonus points if you include the umlauts. All right. With that being said, let's get to my main topic, one of my main topics for the week. As mentioned before, it is October. Yeah, it's right. It's October, 10th month of the year. We're getting there. And October is usually the month for leaves changing, days shortening, scary movies. I know. I might be sounding a little hypocritical considering last week's rant about Halloween decorations, but it's my show, not yours, so sit on and shut up. Yeah, I know. That was not polite. Please just just bear with me, okay? Anyway, I was on Twitter last week, and the news just wasn't that good. Of course, it was right after the president's diagnosis. People were wishing death on him. Uh, people were wishing him well. Everything in between. And the news just didn't look good. So I made a choice. I was going to spend the rest of the month watching some classic scary movies because the real world is too scary. I want to watch something silly. And I'm not talking about the slasher films that have been all the rage since 1980. I don't like slasher movies. I grew up watching Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and all that stuff. And honestly, I don't like it. It's it's too gory for me. I, I It's just not fun. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's not scary. I think it's dumb. No offense to my friends who are fans of the slasher genre. It's just not my thing. I uh, I wanted to watch something uh, more of the classic movies before that. Uh, they don't, they just kind of feel a little scary or spooky, but they're relatively benign. So I figured, why not share the movies with y'all that I've watched as the month goes on? 
That sound good? Good. You can also find the list and brief thoughts on my Twitter feed, at JSZare. So this week, first, let's get the greatness out of the way. The Universal Monster movies are some of my favorites, particularly from my childhood. Now, I, I, I don't remember watching much of many of them as a kid, but I do remember the books. I talked at length about these on my older show, Mind the Gaps, where I watched movies I'd never seen and commented on them. Someday I'll revisit that show, but I digress. Now, the books. Now, when I was a kid, there was a series of elementary reader books about various monsters, from Frankenstein to the Wolfman, even the Blob. They were published by Crestwood Publishing House, and probably they were in every school library 30 years ago. On a whim, I went and checked to see if you could buy them anywhere and found a few of them. They were on eBay for a minimum of $60 a piece. Ouch. So anyway, I really dig the Universal Monsters so much that I spent a little bit of money to buy an eight-movie set digitally in order to watch Frankenstein, The Wolfman, and others. And this week I watched Frankenstein, Dracula, and The Creature from the Black Lagoon. They're all great. First of all, Frankenstein and Dracula, they were released in the same year, 1931. And they also shared a supporting player, an actor named Dwight Fry. In Frankenstein, he played Fritz, the prototypical Igor character that you see in every mad scientist film. And in Dracula, he played Renfield, a much bigger part. He's basically Dracula's toady. Anyway, Dwight Fry is pretty awesome. Obviously, during that era, there were a number of actors that were making the shift from stage to screen. And you can see that in the -the over-the-top way that Fry portrays either character, especially Renfield. got these crazy eyes. He was typecast as the wild-eyed crazy guy. Uh, because of how good he was at Rez Renfield. Uh, but both characters are super memorable, and I honestly didn't realize they were the same guy until I looked it up on the Internet Movie Database. And that's a pretty pretty big deal. That's, uh, that's, that's legit, right? So here's a massive shout-out to Dwight Fry. Pour one out for him, the MVP of the Universal Monster movies. If you want to watch most of the Universal Monster movies and even some of their terrible sequels, they're available for free on Peacock. Now, some of them are behind the paywall, but a lot of them are free. So check them out if you want. Along the same vein, I decided to watch The Creature from the Black Lagoon with my younger son. I I personally have a fondness for the Gill Man. He seems to get the short end of the stick when it comes to the Universal Monster family, and it's a pretty fun movie. I was also able to watch some pretty weird movies as well. HBO Max is fast becoming my favorite of the streaming services, and a lot of that is because they have a bunch of the Criterion collection available. It's not the entire Criterion catalog. If I wanted that, I would have to spend $10 a month to get the Criterion channel, but there are a few good ones. Now, the first of the weird but fun was a French movie from 1959, Eyes Without a Face. Now, I'm pretty sure that was the title that inspired Billy Idol, the song of the same name, but it's only a little creepier than he is. Basically, it was this surreal horror movie where a mad doctor tries tirelessly to help his horribly scarred daughter be restored to her original beauty. It's creepy and, oh, so French. Plus, there was lots of smoking. Smoke creates kind of cool imagery on screen, even though cigarettes are gross. So there was a lot of it in that movie, a lot of the, in all these movies, but a lot of, especially in Eyes Without a Face. Then I watched First Man in Space, also from 1959, and also a Criterion movie. 
The best way to describe this movie is a Saturday matinee horror movie mashed up with The Twilight Zone. There's cheesy costumes and makeup, but it's a fun, eerie, kind of spooky, weird 50s era space movie. And it's fun. It's very, very fun. Now, the last Criterion movie I watched was Carnival of Souls from 1962. This movie is also available for free on YouTube since it's in the public domain. I can't really describe it, but it's a very surreal, creepy, and weird movie. If you want a bit more in-depth review of the film, check out my friend Mario Lanza's podcast, Staff Picks. He's got an episode up there recently about Carnival of Souls. But let me advise you of this. If you decide to watch this movie, go in without knowing anything about it. It will make the experience much better. Trust me on this one. I have watched a few bad movies. Plan 9 from Outer Space and Bride of the Monster. Both Ed Wood classics. Both very, very bad. Bride of the Monster is available for free on Tubi TV if you don't mind watching it with some ads, but also with the guys from Mystery Science Theater 3000. I personally loved it, and it made the movie a lot more bearable. It's some of the smartest comedy writing you're ever going to find. But the worst movie that I watched was I Was a Teenage Zombie. I remember watching that movie when I was a kid. I don't remember anything about it except for the theme song, which was catchy, kind of an earworm. So I, I decided to watch it, and it was so awful. <laughs> I think it was one of the movies I saw as a child that inspired my journey to film school. I must have thought, you know, if a movie that bad can get made and distributed, I can definitely make movies. It was bad, but if you want to watch it, it's also on HBO Max. But when watching all these older movies, I couldn't help but notice that they were very short, very succinct, very simple. The stories go from point A to point B to point C. There's no no frills. The the universal movies are very tight in the runtime, anywhere from 70 minutes to 75 minutes. That's that's as long as they go. And they, they get in, they get out, nobody gets hurt, right? There's something to be said about the power of simplicity. And this got me thinking, what happened to movies? You know what happened to entertainment in general? This is your official warning. I'm about to go into a rant. Now, this applies broadly to a lot of pop culture. But everything... Everything is treated ironically. Sincerity is at a premium. I can't think of many examples of a sincere performance in the last 20 years, except perhaps for Will Ferrell as Buddy the Elf. There's not a moment in that movie where he's winking at the camera. Because nobody is sincere anymore. Everything is treated ironically. The movies that I'm talking about, especially the ones from the early 30s, they didn't mess around with, like, irony. Irony just wasn't in their Rolodex of... uh, 
choices they could make in their performances. Everybody was sincere. But nothing is sacred now. Nobody is sincere. Everything being made today is bound to be cut up, deconstructed, turned into something new, eliminating the original intent of the content creator. Every movie becomes a meme. Every TV show gets gifted. Again, nothing. Nothing is sacred anymore. Everything's too clean these days. Nothing has flaws. Actors look too pretty. They're being made up with makeup and then digitally enhanced. Camera angles are boring. Nothing is exciting anymore. I'd even go so far to say that truly artistic directors are few and far between. For every Wes Anderson or Coen brother, there's a hundred Russo brothers or Michael Bay's. Okay, maybe I'm being too harsh. Michael Bay is far worse than the Russo brothers. I don't think it's beyond the pale to suggest that modern entertainment is a bit derivative now. Everything seems to be a reboot or a remake or a reimagining. One of the three R's. A reimagining of something we have seen hundreds of times already. It's rare to see something new because that requires risk. Studios are very risk averse. They don't want to gamble away millions of dollars on movies that won't make them twice that in return. I get it. But this being risk averse has probably permanently damaged everything from movies to television to comic books. Don't get me started on the current state of comic books. I'll be here all night. I have no idea for a solution to this problem, but I'm thankful that there are places where we can legally find and access decades worth of entertainment. I mentioned the places you can go. HBO Max, Tubi TV, Peacock, uh, Netflix sometimes has older stuff. Hulu sometimes has older stuff. But anyway, go out and watch something cool. Enough about all that stuff. Let's get to the question of the week. What's your favorite classic spooky movie? No slasher flicks. No gory stuff. Your favorite classic movie that's that's spooky, That's but mostly benign. Let me know by sending an email to peaceloveandrobotspod at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 585-371-8986. That's 585-371-8986. When I hear from you, I just might share it on the next episode. I think that's enough for this week. If you like what you heard here and think your friends would like it too, feel free to rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. It's not too hard to find. I'm on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, even iHeartRadio. If you push, pull, or drag your old podcast in, we'll give you $1,000 above the Kelly Blue Book price. What a deal. Thanks for listening. I knew I could count on you. See you next week.